for some time. I was uh, praying actually for my two daughter-in-laws that are here, and uh, and I was praying Proverbs 31 over them, which I have told you before that Pastor he and for many years when we got up and prayed from six to uh, seven every morning, went to the church and prayed. I know I would hear him praying this, and I would pray Psalm 112 over him, <coughs> and uh, and so I do want to encourage you that to pray Proverbs 31 over yourselves and speak these things over your lives. I believe praying the Word is so important. I know many years ago, uh, back when we first were baptized in the Holy Ghost in the early 80s, heard a teaching by Barbara Arbo about praying the Word. And uh, so much more powerful. The Bible says God hastens over His Word to perform it. So the Word that you speak over yourself or over your children or over your husband or over anyone, God sets out to perform and bring that word to pass. In other words, God's word is creative, and so it causes us to to begin to change, and it works on the inside of us. The word does. The word is supernatural. Jesus said, "My words, they are spirit and they are life." And the word is supernatural. It's the supernatural power of God. And um, so, as we speak those things, it begins to we begin to more and more. Uh, conform to that image. And I believe in Proverbs 31 that God gave us a uh, an image of, of what He wants us to be. Sometimes it's a little bit vague in how to understand, so I, I'm going to try to bring it into the 21st century uh, today and out of uh, whenever it was written. Uh, I would like to, you know, just uh, believe God. But anyway, as I was praying for uh, those, the girls will... Um, the Lord started showing me some things out of Proverbs 31, and I felt like He really wanted me to give it to the women of the church. And so we're recording this morning because on a Saturday, difficult to uh, to get very many uh, ladies here. So I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I think that's one reason I started. Uh, if you don't have an Amplified, why don't you just listen? Because it it's... Uh, I think that's one reason I started to get some new things in Proverbs 31 is because I was reading from the Amplified and that was different than what I had read in the past. And so we're going to read from the Amplified, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10 through 31, and then we'll talk about the virtuous woman. And, uh, <clears throat> and I believe you'll get some things. Beginning in verse 10, it says, A capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman, who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels, and her value is far above rubies or pearls. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely, so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good as long as there is life within her. She seeks out wool and flax and works with willing hands to develop it. She is like the merchant ships loaded with foodstuffs. She brings her household's food from a far country. She rises while it is yet night and gets spiritual food for her household and assigns her maids their tasks. She considers a new field before she buys or accepts it, expanding prudently and not courting neglect of her present duties by assuming other duties. With her savings of time and strength, she plants fruitful vines in her vineyard. She girds herself with strength, spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task and makes her arms strong and firm. She tastes and sees that her gain that her gain from work with and for God is good. Her lamp goes not out, but it burns on continually through the night of trouble, privation, or sorrow, warning away fear, doubt, and distrust. 
She lays her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She opens her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand, filled hands to the needy, whether in body, mind, or spirit. She fears not the snow for her family, for all her household are doubly clothed in scarlet. She makes for herself coverings, cushions, and rugs of tapestry. Her clothing is of linen, pure and fine, and of purple, such as that of which the clothing of the priests and the hallowed cloths of the temple were made. Her husband is known in the city's gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen garments and leads others to buy them. She delivers to the merchants girdles or sashes that free one up for service. <coughs> Strength and dignity are her clothing, and her position is strong and secure. She rejoices over the future, the latter day or time to come, knowing that she and her family are in readiness for it. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness, giving counsel and instruction. She looks well to how things go in her household, and the bread of idleness, gossip, discontent, and self-pity she will not eat. Her children rise up and call her blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. And her husband boasts of and praises her, saying, Many daughters have done virtuously, nobly, and well with the strength of character that is steadfast in goodness, but you excel them all. Charm and grace are deceptive, and beauty is vain, because it is not lasting. But a woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. Hallelujah. Well, that's kind of long, but... Um, especially in the Amplified Version, which has so many words. But um, uh, I believe it's, 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 it's a very powerful passage of Scripture. I know that not all of us are married here, and there's several things in here about husbands, but I don't want you to, if you're not married, I don't want you to turn this off because I believe it's not just speaking to the married woman, but it's talking about us as Christian women, women being full of virtue, being full of intelligence and capable. I like the first verse in the Amplified, capable, intelligent, and virtuous. And so it doesn't, we're, we're women. We all have that in common. And so there's things for whether you're single or you're married in this, uh, in, in this chapter. It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> I believe that in the new birth, this is, of course, the Old Testament, but in the new birth, these are things that God has put us, put on the inside of us, these, these, this virtue, this capable, intelligent, and we'll talk about that more later as we go on, that He put those things in us and that we have to learn to just draw them out. And it's so much easier when you see it that way. If you see that I'm already this and all I have to do is draw it out instead of I have to completely rework myself, well, we don't have to rework ourselves. Jesus did that for us. He made us new creations. Hallelujah. And when we received Him, we became a new creation. Old things were passed away. Hallelujah. So these are the things that are on the inside of us, and we may not have always known how to get them out, but we're more and more learning how to draw out uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, and so forth. We're learning to draw those things out and live out of the Spirit versus living out of the head or out of the flesh. And so uh, <clears throat> it, it, one of the things the Lord told me about being single is He said it's a privilege to be single. I know sometimes we don't always look at it that way, but He actually spoke to me one time and said that women that are single are in a devoted time. They have a chance to be completely devoted to Him. They're having that opportunity. I really never had a chance. I was still a little girl. I went from little girl to being married, and a lot of you did too. But So I never had that time of being single and being devoted. But if you're a grown woman and you're single, well, then you have a devoted time with, with the Lord, and that's a precious time. <clears throat> uh, 
And, and one thing he spoke to me about the single women here this morning, that if you're widowed or if you're unmarried for any reason, that Isaiah 54 verses 4 and 5, that they are your verses and that you need to lay hold of them. Um, <clears throat> don't feel like you're on your own. Don't feel like you're uh, less. Don't feel like that married women have it easier. I actually think it's probably just the opposite. In fact, I do know it's the opposite. We, you, we don't have it easier. You have it easier. And, the, <laughs> and, you, <laughs> uh, and I know y'all y'all may not believe that, but I, 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 I know this is true. I've watched it long enough that it is easier to be single than it is because, and this is because of this verse, Isaiah 54, verse 4, Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. Neither be confounded and depressed, for you shall not be put to shame, for you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you shall not seriously remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is His name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth He is called. So He's talking to any woman there that's that's uh, a widow either by divorce, by uh by death or just is never married. But anyway, single women, I know you have it easier because this says God is your husband and there's no man that good. That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, he, and there's no man that will be as good to you as God will. And I promise you. Hallelujah. And there is no man, uh, you just won't have any trouble with God. And I guarantee you will have trouble with any man you marry on, this, <laughs> on the face of this earth. No matter how wonderful they are, no matter how godly they are, in marriage, there is troubles and problems to overcome. And so, uh, you, but you have the, a perfect husband. You might ought to think twice before you trade him in. Because uh, when one, once, I, I guarantee, cause once you have a husband, God's no longer your husband. Now, hallelujah. So, so you not only have God as your father, but you have God as your husband. And I tell you, he's a better provider than any husband. You may say, oh, man, you know, no, if I had a husband, we'd have that paycheck. Well, I'll take, I'm not trying to trade mine in or nothing, but I'm just saying that uh, God's a better provider than any husband. I don't care what. Uh, and, and I have seen him. He, I'm going to tell you something now. You say God's no respecter of persons, and he's not, but he ministers to people where they are at. And I have seen it over and over. He's better to single women than he is to married women. Now, I say that, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Lord, forgive me and help me get utterance to this because He's good to us too. I'm not trying to say that, but He takes a special care. Right. I'm telling you, He takes a special care of single women. And I've watched Him. Well, I've seen Him bless single women when they didn't deserve to be blessed. I knew they didn't. I knew they weren't living right. None of y'all, but I, there was, I have had people before that I said, those folks aren't living right and God is going to extra lengths to help and bless this single mother, this single woman. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> that all said, you really need to lay hold of Isaiah 54 and 5 and start, start, start getting the benefits of God being your husband. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like, you know, getting a free ticket or something, you know. So uh, you, you need to lay hold of that. Uh, <clears throat> um, we have been given grace. And grace, the best definition I have ever gotten, and I believe I th I, uh, the Lord gave me this definition. I've heard other things similar to it since then. Um, that little table is... Yeah. Annoying, isn't it? <laughs> grace, uh, my willingness to use my uh, to use grace is God's willingness to use His power on your behalf. 
So we are graced for whatever time that we are in in our lives. And so if you are uh, uh, single, there's a grace for that. He, God is your husband. That's part of the grace of it. If you are... Uh, <coughs> If you're married, there's a grace for that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, I'll look that up in the Amplified too. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, this is when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he came to her and he said, uh, Hail, O favored one, endued with grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God are you before all other women. And so he said, Hail, O favored one, endued with grace. Grace is God's willingness to use His power on your behalf. And so how did Mary go through what she went through, birthing Jesus, raising Jesus, and then watching Him be crucified, is how did she do it? Because she was endued with grace. She, had, she was endued with a special power, a grace, so that she could accomplish that. Well, we've been endued with the same special power for whatever we've been called to do so that we can accomplish it. In other words, if you're a mother, there's a grace to be a mother and you need to call on it. If you're a wife, there's a grace to be a wife. If you're a pastor's wife, there's a grace. How do you say, I don't see how they do it. There's a grace for it. If you're a soldier's wife, there is a grace. God gives you a special grace so that you can stand and be strong and even be victorious while your husband's in Iraq. There is special grace for that. Now, whether every one of them knows to call on it, probably not. But it's still there. It's available to every soldier's wife, every truck driver's wife. Because sometimes I think about, well, how do people that are married to truck drivers endure that and stand that and, you know, or, or you know, or even an undertaker's wife. I know my aunt was raised in, they lived at the funeral home. They lived behind the funeral home. And she's just happy as a lark about it. I mean, she's not even warped, you know, or my dad would say she is, his sister-in-law, but, <laughs> but I don't think she is. Anyway, uh, there's grace. There's grace for whatever position uh, uh, we've been put in. Um, I, think, I heard Kelly Copeland say one time that she was praying one day and she said, she was praying about grace, and, and I think about this scripture or about being graced. And he, she said, Lord, you know, I'm not the mother of your son. And he said, no, but I've graced you to be the mother of your son. I've graced you to be the mother of your son. And so, you're, you know, you may say, I got a problem, child. Well, you're graced. I've got a, a, a strong-willed child, or I've got a child that's got this issue. Well, you're grace. Or I've got a child that's got a handicap. When, with the, with, when a child comes to a mom, and I'm not saying God sent that child that way, but when a mother gets a child, there's grace. There's just grace all over. And you know, I've seen mothers like that, where you and you have too, where you go, they are so good at that. How do they do it? I couldn't do it. No, you couldn't. You couldn't without the grace. But if you needed the grace, you would have the grace. Hallelujah. So you so your grace to be the mother of whoever you're the mother of, your grace to be the husband of whoever you're the your grace to work at wherever God's called you to work. Amen. How do people, you know, I think about how do nurses work all night? I'm noted, I'm like, how do y'all do this? Uh, there's grace. There's special grace. Hallelujah. And you know, one thing we really need to be doing is calling on the grace that we've been given for whatever situation in life we're in. How about mothers, how about grandmothers that end up having to raise their grandchildren? 
Well, how, I was like, man, how do they do that? Because let me tell you, once the parenting grace lifts, you know, it's like you can't even hardly stand to be in a restaurant with a crying kid. Is that right? It's like, and I look at those parents and I go, what are you thinking? Go to McDonald's. You know, that's what they created McDonald's for. But uh, because why? Because, and I have to really just say, okay, gotta, you know, I got to give them some grace. But because, but all I'm saying is the grace is lifted. It's not there. Hallelujah. And, uh, but when you, if when a grandmother ends up having to raise her grandkids, well, grace is there. Hallelujah. Praise God. When a, mother, when a woman ends up having to support herself because something didn't work out or something, you know, well, God, just grace steps in. Hallelujah. Sometimes you used to be good with kids and all of a sudden you're no good with them anymore. Hallelujah. How do teachers, how do, te how do they stand it all day, every day? How do they not come out of the school going, <laughs> you, know, you know, grace, 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 grace. The grace of God only, amen. So anyway, we're going to look at Proverbs 31, but I wanted to talk about that first because wherever you're at, if you're single or if you're married, there's grace for this. Don't say you can't do this Proverbs 31 because you've been graced to. Amen. In verse 10, I really like that. Let me get back over there um, where it says, a capable, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. Uh, Hallelujah. That's who we are. That's who we've been made in Christ Jesus. You are capable. Capable means able, skilled, competent, and ready. Hallelujah. And we need to get our words agreeing with the Bible. We need to agree with this instead of working against it. This is hard. I don't think I can do this. That's no. Hallelujah. Our words need to agree with this. No, I'm capable. In other words, for whatever, wherever I'm at in life, whether it's I have a two-year-old, I, I think about that. How did I get through the twos? How did I get through the baby age and the getting up in the middle of the night? You know, that just wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it worked then. You know, we made it. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, so our words need to get in agreement with what God says about us. He says we're capable. He says we're intelligent. Hallelujah. He says we're virtuous. There is nothing impossible to a word woman. And we are word women. Say that. I am a word woman. I am a word woman. Hallelujah. Look there in verse uh, 10 again. I want to point out something to you. Uh, <clears throat> a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. Who is he who can find her? I want you to notice it says he finds her. It doesn't say she has to go find him. So if, if you are single and you're believing for a husband, you don't have to hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to find you. You don't have to find him. That just takes a whole bunch of pressure off. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to find him. He finds you. And, it, and you know what? You don't want anybody that's not looking for a capable, intelligent, virtuous woman. Right. Hallelujah. And so he's going to find you. You don't have to find him. Verse, um, <clears throat> uh, chapter, I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter 12. Hallelujah. Just read a couple of other scriptures. It says, uh, a virtuous and worthy wife, earnest and strong in character, 
And whether we're wives or not, we need to be virtuous, worthy, earnest, and strong in character. Is a crowning joy to her husband, but she who makes him ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 18, verse 22. I, I just really like how the Amplified says it in some of these verses. So I'll just stay with it. <clears throat> he who finds a true wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I thought that was so interesting, a true wife. Not just because you married them, are they really going to be a true wife to you? I sometimes feel sorry for men. I see men sometimes that have married the wrong woman and they can't get anywhere in their life. It's like they can't get, they can't get to the church they know they're supposed to go to. They can't get to the calling of God. There's, I've known lots of men who were called of God but couldn't get there because they got the wrong wife. Hallelujah. And so... Praise God. They didn't get this true wife. They didn't get this uh, capable, virtuous, intelligent woman. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Strong in character. And then Proverbs 19, verse 14. Hallelujah. Listen, when he finds you, if you're single, you'll be so ready. I'm talking about spiritually ready. You'll be so ready. Verse 14, house and riches are the inheritance from fathers, but a wise, understanding, and prudent wife is from the Lord. Hallelujah. So we want to be led in all of those things. And, we, and, and, as, and, and as women, we want to be wise, understanding, and prudent. Qualities that we are supposed to be having in our lives and that have been planted within us uh, at the new birth. And we just have to draw them out. We just have to, sometimes we just have to, it's like a, a, a diamond that's just a lump of coal. What starts out as a lump of coal. We got to just sometimes chip out, chip off some of the old stuff to see what's really in there. Hallelujah. And you know, we're never too old to change. The, the enemy starts trying to tell you, especially when you get my age, probably about the oldest here. But anyway, uh, he starts telling us you're too old to change. But we are not too old to change. And you know, uh, when you quit changing, you're, 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 you're dead. It's, I mean, maybe not physically, but you know. You're dead. When you quit changing, when you quit growing, when you quit increasing, when you quit going to the next level, hallelujah. So I, I'm not too old to change and nobody else for sure in here is too old to change and to let God uh, peel off things that are keeping what's inside us from shining. It's there, but we got to let it shine, don't we? Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely. So he has no lack of dishonest gain or need of dishonest spoil. We'll talk about that for a minute. Um, <clears throat> um, he trusts her. He trusts her because she's faithful. He, but he also can trust her to take care of things. I want us, I want us to be the kind of women that we can be trusted to take care of things. We can be trusted to be faithful to God, but to, to, to whoever, you know, to the boss, that we're faithful at work. Amen? Um, and, you know, for your husband to be able to trust you with his heart. Now, you have really gone someplace, wives, when the man trusts you with his heart. In other words, when he will open up and tell you those deeper things in his heart that he won't tell anybody else. And you have to, you have to win his trust by your faithfulness and by how you handle his heart and how you handle situations for him to uh, open up his heart to you like that. He has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. He has no need to cheat. This is talking about your husband doesn't need to cheat. 
either um, he doesn't need to cheat emotionally where he has to talk to some other woman at work because nobody at home's listening. Nobody's, and you know, maybe he doesn't cheat physically, but he cheats emotionally because he's, you know, he's found somebody. You know, sometimes men will say, or women too, I found my soulmate. This is my soulmate. In other words, what they're saying is, is she won't, she, my wife's too busy at home. She's gotten too involved with the kids. She's gotten too involved with other things and she doesn't listen, but there's some lady at work that will listen. There's some lady at work that ministers to my soul, my mind, my will, my emotion. And he has no need to uh, steal because, you know, um, we don't ever put our husbands in a position where they feel like they don't measure up financially or something. And so he has, he goes out and he steals, you know, like money or steals at work or embezzles or, uh, or does something illegal. You know, there's all the time we're finding people, it's in the paper every day, from some agency, some college, some something that's stealing. They're taking money. They're, you know, well, he doesn't have need of that. Our husbands don't have need. They don't need to do things like that. Why? Because they're so secure in what we think about them. And they're so, they, they don't even care what other people think about them because they're so secure in what we think about them. And he has no need to cheat sexually and have a, a sexual relationship. Why? He doesn't need that. That's dishonest gain. That's, that's, uh, that's the, what does it call it? Um, he has no need of dishonest spoil. That's dishonest spoil. That's not, the, he doesn't need that. I, my, I don't have, my husband doesn't need pornography. My husband doesn't need, are you saying, well, I have to be like, no, no, but if, but he, he doesn't need that because I've got him, I got his love tank filled up. Hallelujah. And so he doesn't need that. And that's how we have to, we need to have that perspective. That's what we are <clears throat> Hallelujah. And you know, sometimes women are so concerned about their own needs, but I found out myself that, that if I would give, it, 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 the same principle works. If I give, it'll be given unto me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In other words, it's going to come back to me. Now, I'm not teaching here to, to women that have bad marriages. I'm teaching to women that have decent marriages that we can improve, but I'm not talking about people that are being beat and whipped and abused and stuff. So if that's the case, then, you know, uh, you may have to do something beyond what I teach today. Okay. So I don't want to make anybody feel that way. Verse 12, <clears throat> she comforts, encourages, and does him only good as long as there is life within her. She comforts and encourages him. She comforts and encourages him. You've got to find out about your husband, what comforts him, and you've got to find out what encourages him because everything that comforts and encourages you may not be what comforts and encourages him. But I know that you have to, and you have to, it is your responsibility in God, but he's graced you for this. Remember with every grace, with every responsibility, there is a grace. He's graced you to, to, to provide a home that, that, that is a comfort and an encouragement to, uh, to your husband. And then, you know, one thing that's comforting and encouraging, it's, it's discouraging to come home to a messy house. That's discouraging. It's discouraging to come home to a complaining wife that's just frazzled. And so whatever that has to change in your life to keep from being frazzled when he comes in from work, you know, 
it's it's encouraging to come home and mama be happy because that little saying when mama ain't happy ain't nobody happy the reason that's so funny is because it's so true because we set the climate in our house we set the atmosphere and when we're happy most of the time hallelujah providing there aren't other problems hallelujah we will we can and even if he comes in unhappy burdened from work or whatever we can change with, with, with our attitude, we can change the, the atmosphere that he came in under. He may have come in under a cloud, but, but we, can, we can be a, a part of getting that off of him. Um, so she comforts him. She encourages him. A part of that is sex. Because remember in Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, it says that uh, Isaac's mother had died and said he went into the tent with Rebekah and he got encouraged and comforted. It comforts them. That comforts your husband. That comforts your husband. That is a comfort to him. Hallelujah. And so that's part of the way. Um, she encourages him. And you know, when you're encouraging him and you're speaking encouraging words to him, you know, it has to ring true. It has to be real. It can't be an act. It has to be, it has to be sincere. It has to be, if anything that's insincere, if you, ins if you insincerely encourage someone that's just flattery, the Bible says that she does him only good as long as there is life within her. One of the most important things about doing him good. Now, so, so, so all day, every day, I got to be doing him good. Now, that doesn't mean I don't mess up. Hallelujah. And, and I know that, that sometimes they don't, a husband, you say, well, he didn't do me good this morning. Well, you know, we're not talking to him right now. We let pastor work on that. <laughs> but, um. One of the things that I think is so very, very important, in fact, I think this is one of the most important things. You can be disrespectful at home, but if you're disrespectful, if you are to your husband in public, you are not doing him good. And he'll, you know, husbands will take a lot of stuff at home, but if you're disrespecting him publicly, you're putting yourself in a dangerous place. And in front of his family, Hallelujah. Always respecting. Always respecting. Because you're going to hurt yourself. Because I'm telling you, blood is thicker than water. I know this from experience. And, uh, you know, hallelujah. And, in, and I, I try to be impartial and think that my, but, and not to think my sons are perfect. I'm saying this in front of my daughter-in-laws, but, you know, I guess when bottom line is, your parents are going to stick up for you and your parent, his parents are not going to forsake him, your husband. And so one thing about it is you don't want to ever, you want to stay where, where your, <laughs> I'm trying to say this nice, where your in-laws say that, that she, is, she is an awesome daughter-in-law. You want to stay there. And if you pull your husband down in front of them, they're not going to say that. Hallelujah. So <laughs> that's the, now that doesn't mean you can't talk to your mother-in-law and stuff. That's not what we're talking about. But you know what I'm talking about? Just being ugly. Just, you can't be ugly to him, you know, in front of his mother and his daddy. You can't be ugly to him in front of his boss. You can't be ugly to him in front of his friends. That is a real slammer. When you spout off and say, even if he deserves it, even if you're mad because he's going hunting or he's going and he's leaving you with three kids and, and you know, you can't do that in front of his kids. 
And you will not win, ladies. And one thing about it, when you do so, you always want to position yourself to win. And so you won't win if you put yourself in that position. Uh, the Bible says in the message translation, treat him generously. Verse 13, she seeks out wool and flax and works willingly uh, with, her, with, with willing hands. Or the King James said willingly with her hands. I think the key word in verse 13 is willingly works. She works willingly. Hallelujah. I know we all work, but you know, even in our homes, we need to get willing. Amen. We need to, if we're not willing, we need to get willing. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, in Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. I claim that verse for myself. If I'm willing and obedient, hallelujah, eat the good of the land. Um, and it says, one version says busily. Verse 14, uh, she is like the merchant ship loaded with food stuff. She brings her household's food from a far country. So, um, so one of the things that's comforting to a husband is food. I mean, there's something, my grandmother, when I was, I didn't really like hearing this, and y'all may not like it either. I was a newly married, and my grandmother spoke from experience because she had had a husband, her, my grandfather, who had cheated on her when uh, they were younger and before they were saved because they didn't get saved till after they were married. And uh, he had cheated on her. Now, I, she didn't spell that out to me, but, you know, you can pick things up through the grapevine, you know, from all the other talking relatives, you know, <laughs> and so forth. And uh, so, she, I, so I knew she was speaking from experience. And when I was first married, but at the, by, by that time, by the time I was a, born, my grandparents had a good marriage and a happy marriage, and they were in the Baptist church, and they were faithful to God. And, and so all I ever knew of him was being an awesome man. And I'm sure, if you know, two unsaved people that are partying every weekend, which is what they were doing, even back in the 30s and 40s, if you can imagine that long ago. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure, you know, you, it's just like today. You're going, you're going to encounter all sorts of stuff. But anyway, so when I was first married, she told me, she said, well, I found out how to keep grand grand at home. And I'm like, I do not want to hear this. You do not. <laughs> You don't want to hear about your grand-grand and your granny. <laughs> That's worse than hearing about your mother and your dad. <laughs> Hallelujah. But she said it. And you know, as I've grown older, I've tried to block it from my mind a lot of years. But as I've grown older, I've learned to appreciate it. But anyway, she said, I learned how to keep your grand-grand at home. He's like, keep him filled up with sex and keep, him, his, keep his belly full of food. And, she, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't want to hear... But, you know, it's the truth. That if you keep them full, if somebody's full, they ain't hungry. And if you send him out hungry to the job and he goes, works out, Mercedes with 5,900 other women, and all of them aren't righteous, are they, Lisa? <laughs> and the majority aren't righteous. So you don't want to send him where there's unrighteous women or righteous either. You don't want to send him with where there's unrighteous women and he don't have his tank full. Hallelujah. If your husband's a traveling salesman and he's gone away, you ought to, you ought to send him out marked. You ought to mark him before he leaves. If you can take, take that. I'm not trying to be crude here, but I'm telling you, you we've got to be wise. We've got to be wise women. 
And so, and, and, and it's just like if he goes off without breakfast, he's going to stop at McDonald's. Y'all want him to eat healthy, and then you send him off without breakfast, well, he's going to stop at McDonald's, and he's going to eat pancakes and sausage or sausage biscuits and gravy. And so I, I'm not condemning for that because I'm not a breakfast cooker, but I am saying, you know, sometimes we kind of, we want one thing, but we, we do something else. Hallelujah. So you need to keep his tank full. And, uh, and, 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 and this is talking about household food, though. Um, she gets her household. So, hey, there needs to be food at the house. There needs to be, there needs to be, I, I'm not in this stage of my life. And so I know you could say, well, Miss Debbie, you say you don't cook. Well, we're at a different stage. But when my husband was a farmer and he was working that kind like that, and he came home. He needed to smell cooking. And I tell you, sometimes he, yeah, I started, of course, we had our, like farmers do, we had our meal at lunch. And, but 11 o'clock, I'd be scrambling. But uh, we, well, we had lunch on the table. At, sometime at 11 o'clock, I was running the grocery store because I wasn't very smart back then. I didn't know how to pull it together. But amen. So <clears throat> if you want to comfort him, you want to encourage him when he comes home and it smells good with food, you'll be an encouragement to him. Okay? One version says she always has exotic surprises. Hallelujah. So, you know, it doesn't sound like uh, the Bible's talking about she stopped by and picked up hamburgers. And that might work a, a few times, but <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, verse 15. This is one we're going to like a lot. She's rises while it is yet night. And gets spiritual food for her household and assigns her maids their task. Um, get spiritual food. Remember being a woman of the word. You have to get food, for your, spiritual food for yourself and for your children. And, and you're the one that has to balance out all the negative things that maybe your husband comes in, he's discouraged about finances or whatever. You've gotten spiritual food. You can be an encouragement. I like this part about the maids. I believe we have scriptural basis for having maids. I believe it is God's will. And if it wasn't His will, He's going to put this scripture in the Bible. Amen. But notice that we... I think God... When we put spiritual things first is sometimes when, it's when we get maids. Because we, we're so busy for God and we, becomes, we become important to God. And all of us are important to him, but I'm talking about, it's like, he says, I got to get this lady some help because she helps me. She prays, she, she, she is doing work of the kingdom. And I'm not, I'm talking about spiritual work now, spiritual food. I'm talking about she, she, she is working for the kingdom of God in her prayer time. I need to clear her schedule a little more. And so I believe that's how the best way to get them made. Um, the Bible, the message translation about this verse says she organizes her day. We are supposed to be organized, ladies. And there are ways. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. He is a teacher. I know you may think I wasn't born organized. That's okay. Being born organized is not necessary. You can learn organization. I did. I learned, or, I learned it. Uh, I was, uh, when I was a young wife... Well, when I grew up, my mother made me learn to work. But when you have your mother over you telling you what to do, when to do it, and it's a lot easier. But when I became like the wife in the house and I was responsible, I was overwhelmed and couldn't figure out what to do first. And, 
and so forth. And, um, and one time my daddy came to my house and he said, and he was going to help Michael with something. And he said something kind of disapproving to me. I don't even remember what he said, but I could tell he didn't think my messy house was right. You know, <laughs> and my dad, I realized as I was preparing this, how much influence he had on me because, you know, and you know, it's one thing when, when somebody's telling you, because I remember when in high school, I went through a stage where there was, I didn't make my bed every day. I was the last one to leave the house because they'd go to work and, and I wouldn't make my bed. And he'd come home from work. And finally, I think that went on a while. And finally, one night he said, Debbie, next time I come home from work, that bed's not made. And I, boy, he didn't have to say more. <laughs> I, and uh, so, uh, but it's one thing to do it when somebody's over you like that. But anyway, he said something disapproving about my house. And, and so I don't know why, but I just had this desire that I wanted to change that. And so, uh, and the Holy Ghost showed me how. The Holy Ghost gave me a plan. And so the Holy Ghost will give you a plan. And hallelujah, it'll be easy because the Holy Ghost gave it to you. Verse 16, she considers a new field before she buys or accepts it, expanding prudently and not courting neglect of her present duties by assuming other duties. With her savings of time and strength, she plants fruitful vines in her vineyard. I, I really think that stood out to me that she doesn't court neglect of her present duties by assuming others. You know, first of all, we have to, this is talking about priorities, that this woman has priorities and she makes sure she doesn't get her plate too full. And you know, you got to know what you want. And you got to have, and I think everybody in this room, you wouldn't be at a ladies' meeting on Saturday if God wasn't first. And, I, and you know, sometimes we say God first, family second. Well, let me break that down. It is not God first, family second. It is God first, husband second if you've got one. If you don't have a husband, it's husband second, not children second, not extended family second. It's God first, husband second, children third, and then extended family you pray and put them wherever God shows you. If you're called to the ministry, I guarantee you, extended family is not fourth. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm telling you from experience. And, you know, it may be some I've noticed in our family that God calls different people in our family to do different things. And Michael's little brother, Dwayne, he's the one called to take care of. He's got the anointing of God on it. The desire, the grace, he's the one that sees about Norman Walt, Michael's parents. He's the one. He's the baby, but he's the one. Because and in every family, God gives assignments like that. And, and, and if God's called you, now that doesn't mean he's called me and Michael to neglect them, but we're just not their primary, you know, because we're called to something else. We're called to the ministry. And so you've got to pray about that. But in every family, whether you're called to ministry or not, and then, then it's God first, husband second, your children, and then the ministry. And even sometimes when you're called to the ministry, there are sacrifices that God even graces your children for. Like He graces soldiers' children for. You know, there, He graces the children for whatever the parents are called to. And, and, and your kids, because your daddy is a soldier, you don't have to grow up warped because he was stationed in, right. you know, there is grace for those things. Amen? And if your daddy is a minister, you don't have to grow up warped. There is a grace for that. There's a grace that 
that you won't be exactly like every other kid in town. You won't be able to do everything every other kid in town does if you're called to the ministry. And a lot of you may not are called to the ministry, and it's the same with your kids. They are graced for that same thing. And there's parents in town right now that would say, you mean you make those boys go to church every time the doors are open? And they would think that was just, but they just don't understand that there's grace on your kids for that. There's, there's, you, you mean you, they have to wait an hour and just sit around for an hour while y'all serve God? And they're just waiting for church to start for an hour? There are parents in town that would think that was really close to being abusive. Wouldn't they? But there's grace on them. We're not ruining Joshua and Micah because, and our kids waited, they spent half their life waiting. Hallelujah. But there's grace for that. Hallelujah. And you mean, the, and some kids are having to wait an hour after church for parents to get through. And hallelujah. There's grace. Hallelujah. So there's priorities here. And, and I like that. She, you know, you and I, all of us in this room, because pretty much here we know we're called. But, well, we have to really pray about things before we take on something because we can't court neglect of our present duties that God has assigned to us by taking on something new. You know, and the Lord showed me, because sometimes we get to feeling like, well, you know, I need, to, I need to take cookies to the school. I need to take... I need to help with the, the eighth grade prom. You know, that was one thing that Eric had. And they were like, and you know, but he, I learned a long time ago, I'm, I'm, you hate to say it, but I'm special. I'm called, I'm called to minister the word. I'm called to pray. These other ladies, God has not called them to pray. They can bake the cookies and they, and you know, they may look at me and say, well, she never helps, but you got to get tough skinned where you don't care. Because you know, you're doing what God called you to do. Hallelujah. And there may be a time when God says, no, because I'm going to use you to witness to somebody or something. He'll say, no, you take cookies. You go and you be there. But you should not feel like you have to be at every PTA. Every, you've got to help with the little league. And you've got to help with, you shouldn't feel like that. Hallelujah. And you will feel funny when, when they ask for volunteers and they're kind of staring at <laughs> But you just kind of... You kind of looked at them. But you can't neglect the duties you have. You cannot neglect this spiritual food. Hallelujah. You cannot neglect the people that God has called you to minister to because, uh, you know, and yet there's a grace for that time. Hallelujah. I mean, we, we made, I would say we made 98% of all the ball games, but we didn't make them all. Hallelujah. And you know, you have to just know when you, if you're called of God into the ministry or to children's church or to whatever, I mean, maybe it's not full-time ministry, but ministry, there's going to be times when you say, okay, we're going to sign up for Little League, but you might, you know, you might have to miss a game or two, you know? And I know one time, Eric, we played baseball and we didn't know he was that good and And he made all stars, and it was like we can't do this. And so we, I thought that seminar. I thought they were going to have coronary. They could not believe that there was a parent not going to let their little son play in the all stars, which makes you go all summer after you've already gone all spring. Hallelujah! And they couldn't believe it. And we said no. And I know there was a member in our church, and they were so mad because. 
they had got him a trophy and they would got him a t-shirt that said all stars and there was a member of our church that was a coach and they wanted to take the t-shirt back and our, the member of our church said no that kid's getting that t-shirt and uh, anyway he had to go to bat for Eric it was Johnny that comes sometimes anyway hallelujah so uh, so uh, we uh, we uh, we're not over committing and over obligating we are leaving ourselves plenty of time for God you got to leave God plenty of time listen you cannot get, uh, you cannot, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. You may can, you can pray the prayer of faith real fast. You can get in faith and pray the prayer of faith fast. But you can't pray the kind of prayers where God shows you things and do it fast. You cannot do that fast. You have to spend, you've got to give God time. You've got to give yourself some time. It takes 15 minutes, sometimes longer. Sometimes it takes me an hour to just get my soul settled down yeah. where I could even hear God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, you're running around, you're doing all the stuff that you do in the morning. And, and, and uh, I got, and, and you know, whatever it takes, because I can have not afford not to hear from God for me. I got to hear from God for me. I got to hear from God for God for Pastor Michael. I got to cover his backside. And I'm not trying to be God or anything, but listen, the Bible says that God sought for a man to stand in the gap. And when there's situations and crises is coming up, God is looking for, he's always looking for somebody to get in the gap and prevent it or stop it or, and you know, and, and if, he, if he can get somebody to speak the right words, he can stop some things from transpiring and from happening. Hallelujah. And so, and you know, you are your husband's intercessor. And you may be, if you're not, don't have a husband, you may be somebody, I know you're, you're always your kid's intercessor. Amen. And when you see a kid that's killed because he ran into a telephone pole and you say, and they're some good church over in some county somewhere. And you go, why did that happen? They are church members. They are Christians. How did that happen? How did that kid run into a telephone pole because they were and, and, and get killed? There was no intercessor to stand in the gap. Somebody either didn't know how to pray, just was praying those Lord bless my kids prayers, or they weren't taking the time to pray. If they knew how, they weren't taking the time. Because God will put words in your mouth when you pray. He, God is helping you pray and stand in the gap for your kids. And so, and he's looking, you are your husband's intercessor. You are your husband. You, you know, you can't leave it up to him to hear a God for all the, the job changes and the moving to Alabama. and the, You can't leave it up to him. You, it takes two. You, 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 he will make mistakes. And I'm not saying that you're always, oh, no, that's not God and everything. I'm just saying that together is how, it is. you know, two is better than one, the Bible says. Two is better than one. And so when it comes to hear from God, two is better than one. And when you go to make a decision, and so you've got to give God some time. And so you can't court neglect and that doesn't mean that you, you, you can't, uh, can't have fun. You should, listen, if you will follow the Holy Ghost, you will have time. Amen. And when we are stretched and maxed out, we have gotten something. We've taken on something 
that God has not called us to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we're so we're consulting God before we commit. And you know we got to weigh it out by the fruit we want in our life. I plan I plan what I do by the fruit that I want. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, and he says here, he talked about saving your strength there in verse 16. He said she has a, with her savings of time and strength. You know, um, hallelujah. We need to learn to save time. God is the best time consultant time. And part of it is this priority thing and ordering your day. And then there's other things that he will show you and teach you. He showed me how to clean house. I didn't really know how to clean. I didn't know how to put it all together. I knew the individual parts. But I didn't know how to put it all together. I didn't know how to make it work. See, there's supposed to be a flow. There's supposed to be a system. There's supposed to be a, there's a rhythm to life. Some people never find the rhythm to life. There's a rhythm to homemaking. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm in the kitchen. And when you don't cook for a while, you lose that rhythm. And then you're just, <laughs> it is real weird. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> but, you know, used to, I could get a meal together fast. You know, because I had a rhythm. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. There's a rhythm to housework. And you know, there's, there's a rhythm to whatever stage you're in. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Uh, there's a rhythm to prayer, for that matter. Uh, and so we have to save strength and we have to save time. You know, you are, you're supposed to be saving strength. You are not supposed to be so tired at the end of every day, you don't have any strength for your husband. You're, you need to save some strength somewhere. And the Holy Ghost is who, how can, He can show you how to do it. Hallelujah. Verse 17. She girds herself with strength. Spiritual, mental, physical fitness for a God-given task makes her arms strong and firm. Uh, just, uh, getting, just getting strong in every area. Make it your quest. Make it your goal. One of the versions, I think it was the Message Bible, on this verse it says, she dresses for work first thing. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Fly Lady in a minute because if you don't know, if you don't have it all together, I really believe in this woman, flylady.net. She is a Christian. And God, and the reason I believe in her so strongly is because everything that she talks about where it is getting your life organized and getting your home in order, uh, she has all these cute little sayings and stuff and God didn't give me, I wish he'd have given me all the cute little sayings and said go on the internet and become rich. And But he didn't. But everything that she does, the Lord showed me by the Holy Ghost when I was a young, just first married woman. He taught me to do it. How she showed, That's how he taught me to do it. And I still live by that rhythm even though it's, I, it, it, it alters. When you have little kids, things change when they're bigger and they can brush their own teeth. And then when they're teenagers, there's an evolvement. But now that I'm home alone, I still flow in that rhythm. I have a rhythm in the morning. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. You know, it's not just fly by the seat of your pants. And I know that you have that. But I want to tell you something. I would encourage everybody to go there, even if you've got it down pretty good, because she helped me with some things. And, even at, and I don't have to do it. But some of you need it desperately. And, and uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. But uh, it, it, one of the things Fly Lady says to do, and I thought it was interesting the Message Bible says this, is... Uh, <coughs> 
it says to dress for work first thing. And she talks about how if you stay on your bed clothes all day, how you're going to get nothing done. And she makes you, she, now, she, she makes you dress to the shoes. From top, soon, and you, you got to get out of the bed. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and what I do is I adapt these things, but, but I, I know she's right for many people. For many people, they need it. If you are already got it down pretty good, you may not need it as narrow as she puts it. But her, she says, <laughs> get out of bed and make the bed as, before you walk in the bathroom to brush your teeth and go to the bathroom. And, and, and then dress before you ever, you don't even go get to go get your coffee before you get dressed with her. Anyway, lace, up tennis shoes. lace yeah, lace up tennis shoes while I go. And of course, you know, if you go to work and you don't wear tennis shoes to work, you can't apply that. But anyway, verse 18, uh, she tastes and see that her gain from work with and for God is good. Her lamp goes not out, but it burns on continually through the night of trouble, privation or sorrow, warning away fear, doubt and distrust. 18, uh, <coughs> One version says she senses the worth of her work. You know, you need to sense the worth of what you do as a homemaker. And even if you are work outside the home, you're still a homemaker too. Even if you're single, you're a homemaker. I mean, you have a home and uh, you take, need to take pride in it. Um, and sometimes we need to pray our way out of stuff. Hallelujah. We need to pray our way. You remember David talked about praying your way out of things as well as praying your way into, into the open door leaving, you know, some things behind. Um, don't let your spiritual light go out. That's what it's talking about. Don't let your spiritual light go out. You have to do whatever it takes to stay full spiritually. Don't let yourself get spiritually depleted. When you're depleted spiritually, the door's open for trouble. And I like that where it says warning away. When we're full spiritually, it warns away trouble. When we're not full spiritually, we're, 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 uh, we're vulnerable. <clears throat> Verse 19, she lays her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. In other words, let's get this in 20th century version. She's skilled in the crafts of the home. She's skilled at the homemaking thing. She's diligent in homemaking. And, and like I said, I wanted to recommend flylady.net to you because I don't know if you'll like everything she says and you'll adapt everything, but I guarantee you, you'll learn something from her. One thing is, this is true, she teaches is you can't organize clutter. There's only one thing to do with clutter and that's get rid of it. You cannot, hallelujah. And so uh, I, I learned a lot from her. And the Lord gave me eight reasons why to have a clean and organized and beautiful home. <laughs> Number one is it says I love, to you, love you to your family like nothing else. And it comforts you and others. Number two, it comforts you and others. It's so comforting to I sit down in a clean house. I know I, the most comforting day of my year is the day after, right after we take the Christmas tree down and clean up. I'm so comforted because the house is so clean and empty. Number three, it brings peace to you and others. Your house is the kind, should be the kind where when people come in, they feel peace. And number four, it maketh not ashamed. God doesn't want you to ever have to be ashamed in front of anybody. And you know, if you don't have any other goals for, for bringing it together in your home, it should be so that you're not ashamed. And number five, it ministers to you. It ministers to you. You may think, I don't care what it looks like. Yes, it ministers to you. I heard Jerry Savelle say one time, the reason he has beautiful things in his home is because it ministers to him. 
when he comes in off the road, having beautiful things ministers to him. And Miss Phyllis, I know we were over there in November at her and Pastor Webb's house, and uh, her house is lovely, lovely. And uh, uh, it's not a real huge house, and it's not, it's just lovely. I don't know how to describe it. But, um, and so she was, um, I think she was showing me where another bathroom was at because they were all full, and so, because uh, there was quite a few people at her house, and and so we were in one of her bedrooms, and, you know, I commented on it or something. And she said, and Pastor Webb had been showing uh, all these pictures of on his laptop of uh, when he went hunting in, like, the Antarctic or somewhere, way up, I mean, like at the North Pole. And, uh, and so he was showing these pictures and everything. And uh, uh, so she said, well, you know, uh, Scott... She says, that's what, that makes, that he enjoy, that's what he enjoys, is that honey. She says, but my house, that's what I enjoy. She said, that's what I enjoy. That's what ministers to me. That's what blesses me. Uh, number six, it leads to health. It's got less germs, for one thing, less stress. Less stress, less stress. If you, the, you know, they prove over and over, stress is like the leading cause of health problems. You know, and so one thing we need to do is come home and not be stressed at our house because there might be plenty at work, but boy, the house should be not stressful. And uh, less stress, less germs. <laughs> you know that there's a show on, I don't know if it's on the Learning Channel or on HGTV, where the kitchen police come and take samples in the kitchen <laughs> and send them to a lab. And... <laughs> It's scary. Hallelujah. Number seven, it's a time saver. You may think, no, I don't have time to have a nice, clean, tidy house. But really, it takes more time to be disorganized than it does to be organized. Hallelujah. And if you're organizationally challenged, uh, well, first of all, quit saying that because the Bible says you're capable, intelligent, diligent, virtuous. So quit saying that, but call on the Holy Ghost. There's a grace. And number eight, it proves our stewardship to God, qualifying us for promotion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> number 20, verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her filled hands to the needy, whether in body, mind, or spirit. She is a walking outreach ministry, ministering to those that are poor. Not always just physically poor, but at work, being an encouragement to those that... You know, there's a lot of people that are poor in mind. They're poor in spirit. I mean, in other words, they're discouraged. And so she ministers to them. Verse 21, she fears not for the snow for her family and for all her household. She goes, they are doubly clothed in scarlet. Well, when here, we don't have to think about snow much, but we could say we're not afraid of tornadoes. We're not afraid of hurricanes. We don't worry about our family. One version says that. She doesn't worry about her family. She knows they have on scarlet clothes. Well, what does that mean? Well, in, and you've got to understand, this is writing to Old Testament people, and they all knew the story of Rahab and Joshua, where Rahab had put the scarlet cord in the window. And so the scarlet color had come to represent to them uh, a, a place of protection, a place of safety. Hallelujah. So she makes sure everyone is spiritually covered. Do not neglect this, fam. Do not neglect making sure everybody in your family is spiritually covered to the best of your ability. You know, <coughs> hallelujah. And, and by the to best of your ability, I should say to the best of your authority. You have authority over your children. You have authority in some realms. When it comes to your mom and dad, 
you can't always cover them to the full extent. When it comes to your grown children, you can't always cover them to the full extent because they are grown and they've come out from under your authority. But, but as far as your authority will go with them. And God's always looking for that intercessor to stand in the gap. And you are it. Uh, so this book, Proverbs 31 woman, she's a woman of the word, but she's also a woman of prayer. Verse 22, <clears throat> she makes for herself coverlets, cushions, and rugs of tapestry. Her clothing is linen, pure and fine, and of purple, such as that of which the clothing of the priests uh, were made of. She's the decorator in her home. You need to bring beauty into your home. She, uh, and you know, it can be on any level. It's so funny because sometimes we think, well, if I could have really nice furniture... And, and so, but I can't do that now. So I don't have inspiration. And we want to have it a really nice expensive furniture before we can be decorators. And then it's funny that the really rich people go and hire a decorator to come decorate their house shabby chic. Or, you know, and they buy chests that somebody's beat the paint off of. And it's like, well, we know where those, we, we know where those are. Hallelujah. In fact, you know, you can go to some of the nice decorator stores here in town and they, they, they've weathered it. They've purposely knocked the paint off. And you know what I'm saying? Because that's so in. And so we really have no excuse. Um, there's a book called by Alexandra Stoddard. This is not a Christian book, but Living a Beautiful Life. And you could be inspired by that maybe. I know I was to, to just make things beautiful. The Bible says her clothing is fine. I want you to notice that. We live in such a society of casual that it's just, but we're not, that's not who we are as Proverbs 31 women. We're, we, we have, our clothing is fine. We dress like royalty, and the one version says, in gowns of finest cloth. Rise up above the average. Dress above, this woman dresses above average. She, her clothes are well made and elegant, another version says. Hallelujah. Verse 23, her husband is known in the city's gates. He's known because of her is the implication. Huh. One version says her husband is greatly respected. Verse 24, she makes fine linen garments and leads others to buy them. She delivers to the merchants. In other words, she's a businesswoman, but I like to translate that as she is industrious. Whether God has called you to be business or whatever, He's called you to be industrious. <clears throat> Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing and her position is strong and secure. She rejoices over the future, the latter day or time to come. Um, no fear of the future. Faces tomorrow with a smile, I think the message said. She has joy about the future and especially about the latter day, not worried about Jesus coming back. She's, she's, she's happy and thrilled about that. You know, if we're not happy and thrilled about Jesus coming back, I think it's a sign that not everything's right in our lives. Hallelujah. Either we have a misunderstanding about what heaven is, which could be, or we have a, a we, we are, we have a misunderstanding. Uh, we may just have a misunderstanding of the Word of God and what it teaches about eternity, and that could be well it, or, you know, something's just not right with us. And so, in other words, we're in fear. When I was in fear, it was because I wasn't living right, and I didn't really want Jesus to come back and find me not living right. And so we need to make sure that we're ready and we have our kids ready. And I would say now, after hearing Colin talk about how afraid he was as a child and all that, that these are good things to talk about with our kids, which I never thought to do when mine was growing up. I never thought to say, you know, how do you feel about Jesus coming back and taking us to live with Him? 
And I'd certainly say, you know, maybe not little kids like Carter and Caitlin, they don't usually have a big burden of sin on their heart. But uh, especially teenagers, you know, if you can get them to talk about those things, because those are not things they should be afraid of. And uh, so anyway, <clears throat> verse 26, she opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Uh, word, her words are wise, in other words. She's kind. She gives counsel and instruction, especially to her children. You know, that's your job as a mother. You may, want, you may get tired of that. You may get weary. But there's grace for you to be constantly counseling and constantly, you know, teaching and instructing and, you know, and not just saying, no, don't say that, don't do that, but telling them why. You need to give them the principles by, behind it because then it will help them for life making those decisions. Verse 27 in the New Living Translation says, She carefully watches all that goes on in her household and does not have to bear the consequences of laziness. In other words, she's alert. I see a lot of spirit, script of Christian women, I should say, spirit-filled women, who are just not alert spiritually, though. They're not tuned in to their children and their husbands and what's going on in their lives. And like I said, I think that comes from being too busy because it takes time for God to show you things. And, uh, but when you see something in your children or your husband, maybe you just see that he's not quite where, you know, something's just not quite the same. Something's not quite right. Maybe in your children you see something's not quite right. Or maybe they say something and, you know, just something about it. You need to get on it right then in prayer. Right then. You don't wait around and say, well, he's just in a bad mood. Uh, he'll get over this. No, you need to get on it then in prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. I really believe that. <clears throat> she keeps an eye on everyone. One version says she keeps them busy and productive. She will not eat idleness, gossip, discontent, or self-pity. You know, when we eat the Word, it brings life. When we eat the wrong things, it brings death. Hallelujah. We don't want to eat the wrong things. Verse 28. <clears throat> Her children rise up. And call her blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied, and her husband boasts of her. Her children, well, I think rise up means grow up. They grow up and respect and bless her. Her husband praises her. Now, this what you know why this is so important? Because you know, everybody else can be singing your praises. Man, she is businesswoman extraordinaire. She is she is one awesome dude. If girls are dudes, that's not good. But anyway, <laughs> gal. I mean, at work you may be miss miss the queen of everything. But if your husband and family, they know the truth. And when they rise up and call you blessed, that is the truth. Because what do people see at work is not always the truth. And they may all be saying you're wonderful, but what, are, what, will, what is the husband and, and your kids saying? Verse 29, also in the New Living. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you're, you surpass them all. You've outclassed them. You've outclassed them all. A woman who fears the Lord. If we fear the Lord, we obey the Lord. In other words, we're obeying His Word. It says, give her the fruit of her labors. And I say that about myself. I say, give me the fruit of my labors, Lord. Give me, give me everything I deserve. Hallelujah. Except the bad stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to read to you the Word of Faith, Proverbs 31. This is so good. This is the 21st century Proverbs 31. And I, I will make you a copy of this later if y'all would like. You are virtuous, powerful, and capable. 
You are trustworthy, industrious, giving, and you do plan the day for your servant girls. You are wise about purchasing your real estate and fruitful in your finances. You have energy and you are a strong, hard worker. You always turn a profit in everything that you set your hand to do. You are generous and your family lacks for nothing. You are creative, supportive of your husband, and people want what you have to offer. It is evident to outsiders that you are a strong and wise woman because you have no fear. You smile and say, the Lord takes care of me and my family. Because of this trust in the Lord, your words of wisdom and instruction come out with a sense of kindness and peace behind them. Nothing surprises you because you listen to the Lord and obey His precautions and instructions. Your children love you and they tell others of your loveliness. They pray for your harvest and call you blessed. Your husband praises you and he is awed that you are his. You are a woman who revers the Lord and His Word above all else. He will reward you and cause your accomplishments to show what a blessed woman of God you are.